Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 476. Enjoy the journey, win or lose. It's the journey, reach for the stars, but uh, it's the journey that counts. Make every minute count. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dan Davis. Dan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You know, I think we may get peak revs today. <laughs> All right, great. Dan Davis is the publisher and editor at Victory Lane Magazine in Palo Alto, California. Victory Lane is a monthly news and feature publication with a focus on vintage auto racing. The articles cover vintage racing events, vintage rallying, automotive collecting, and focus on individuals, their race cars, drivers, and teams. Dan also includes a classified section where there are vintage race cars and collector cars for sale to tease all of us. And the magazine is also a great go-to source for upcoming events, resources, parts, and services. And I'm proud to say I've been a subscriber for many, many years. Dan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, we're very pleased at the reach and the high regard that our vintage racing community has for Victory Lane Magazine. You know, my my tech career and racing career both started about uh, in the late 50s, and uh, you know I was involved in the early days of the transistor and integrated circuit. But at the same time, I started racing in, of all things, a Berkeley. <laughs> cool. Then an Abarth, and then uh, a whole variety of cars. Uh, did a little semi-pro racing in that SCCA Formula Series back in the 60s with a goal of getting into the Can-Am, which we can talk about later. Yeah. Had a great career in Silicon Valley, and uh, it was an international thing. And I did get on some of my international uh, trips uh, to talk to a lot of racing people around the world. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I, as we got into vintage racing in the mid-'80s and started Victory Lane, uh, we were able to do some of our youthful dreams, like race at Monaco and 
things like that. So nice. I think we'll have an interesting conversation here. I think so. It sounds like you have had a lot of fun on the track, way more than me. I raced vintage cars for about 12 years. I haven't done it in a while, but uh, something I would love to get back into. It's such a wonderful sport, fun people. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I've been getting your magazine for a long time, so I follow it that way. As we continue on our journey, though, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. You know, I think the success in any endeavor is have a great goal, hopefully uh, something that you may or may not ever reach in your lifetime, and pursue it with great persistence. Now, in my electronic career, the goal was to build a company that dominated its sector in the world, and we did that. In racing, the goal was maybe not be world champion, but to do everything we could to do our best with creativity and persistence and with the help of many people. You can't do anything without a great crew. Absolutely. Every great team needs a great pit crew, that's for sure. And some really good sponsors help as well. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about way back in the the 50s getting involved in driving and and racing and participating. But was there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? It was pretty, pretty long ago. Um, Like so many kids of my generation, we were and and. The, the East to West Coast Railroad ran through our farm ranch property back in Weatherford, Texas. So I was enamored with trains growing up, and I was probably, I don't know, maybe in junior high, and I went into the little magazine and spoke shop and looking for my train magazine, and there was this faucet magazine of sports cars of the world. Nice. And there was a Mexican road race Ferrari. It looked like a spaceship. Of course, growing up in Texas, there were Lincolns and Chevrolets and Cadillacs and Fords. I never knew there was something like that Ferrari, and the book was just full of wonders. Wow, how fun. (laughs) I have a lot of guests that talk about getting their hands on car magazines when they were kids, whether they were hand-me-down magazines from older siblings or friends, or in some cases, uh, picking them up out of trash cans from the neighbor's trash can and uh, looking at them that way. But they, they sure brought the world to all of us, just like your magazine does for for its readers. Well, it turns out there was a, uh, where that was a very small town, maybe 5,000 people, but there was a great sports car shop right there on the corner of the square and a gentleman named Winifred Brown that raced with SCCA in the 50s. And of course, that was a great place for a kid to go hang out, learn about racing and race cars and car mechanics. And uh, that was also a great moment. How fun, how fun. I'd love to crawl under the hood and take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk a little bit about a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? And even more important, what did it teach you? Well, I think the toughest thing, <clears throat> I happened to go to a, to a, I got in, invited to go to a school that was uh, one of the toughest in technology. And in the um, freshman uh, 
speech. They said, turn and shake hands with your partner because we're going to flunk half of you out in the first year. Oh, goodness. Well, that certainly got my attention about I better buckle down and really uh, work hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that um, throughout my career that you can have a lot of creativity. Um, We were fortunate to be early on part of the transistor revolution, converting the computers from tubes to transistors. Mm-hmm. But not everything worked, and we didn't all altogether know the physics. And it was the same with early race cars. Uh, my first race car was a two-stroke Berkeley, and there was a mystery. So y- you had to do your homework. You had to get help. You had to work hard, but smart find other experts, and above all, keep at it. It got me through driver's school and got me launched. And uh, that was true of, I guess, about 80 race cars I've, I've managed to race. Uh, everyone has been different. Everyone's been an adventure. We've won with some. We've lost with some. I remember winning a few races, and that's such a great feeling, uh, I'm going to quote Ray Crawford, who said, you know, after a race, the sky's bluer, the girls are prettier, and the steak tastes better. And that's (laughs) a wonderful quote about how it is to finish a race. But uh, one of my toughest races was to race to avoid being last. I had a slipping clutch, and I said, I'm going to figure out how to keep this car going, and I'm not going to be last. So there's many challenges and many manages uh, of success. And, of course, my biggest success, of course, is is my family. Sure. Uh, wonderful son, wonderful daughter, and they both have great careers. Fortunate man, for sure. I shared some of that when I was uh, first racing vintage cars. I was in a Lotus 18, and they lumped me in with the Formula Fords which meant that everyone had about 600 cc's on me. They had disc brakes versus my drums. And every race, it was a challenge to, can I just pass one guy? <laughs> just one guy. Every once in a while, they'd have another 18 in there, so we got to dice it up a little bit. But uh, uh, when you were talking about that, I remember those moments. Yeah, great challenge. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. It's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new thought or direction you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. You know, in my high-tech career, as in my racing career, I've had so many of those moments. I've been very lucky that, uh, you know, there's some lows and there's some highs. I think an interesting moment in uh, possibly racing is is when I learned in the mid sixty, maybe even early sixties, about you don't just race a car the way it comes from the manufacturer. We were working with Lotus twenty threes for the USRC. Uh I actually parallel career on part of Lotus Southwest. And we were doing testing and setup and you know the car just had terrible oversteer. And we were putting FPF Climaxes, two liters with 250 horses in these 23s Wow! for that first uh, USRC Pro Series. And I realized something wasn't right. And uh, sure enough, we, we put it up on jack stands and we moved the tires through their motions. And it turned out 
under bump the rear wheels pointed outward which steered the rear right out so oh goodness suddenly we said well what do we do about that so uh, that coupled with talking to the tire manufacturers about uh well what is the right camber curve and load curve for these tires to get optimum they said we don't know Mm. well it turns out jim hall had the same problem back in the early 60s he built a tire dynamometer no kidding wow on the skid pad with a hundred foot boom and corvair engine in a way to change the dynamics of a tire load and camber and get optimum side grift we didn't have quite the resources But we did figure out through trial and error about bump steer, optimizing camber, and that's just one aspect of dealing with a situation. And it could be, as we were starting some of our companies, uh, we thought we would make this kind of product for the watch industry, which we ultimately did. But it turned, this was optoelectronics and integrated circuits, subsystems. Mm -hmm. But it turned out that uh, one of our biggest products was an innovation we did where we had uh, a chip on a board and and we were selling millions of dollars to Mattel and Hasbro and other toy companies. So you never know what surprises you face. Keep an open mind, figure a way around it, and success is as as some have said first is the is the only winner second is the first loser so uh, <laughs> yes we always went for first absolutely interesting story i didn't know that about jim hall a really really wonderful way to test tires and for the tire manufacturer to not really have an answer for you doesn't instill a lot of confidence in them but um yeah, that's not what their focus was at the time How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been in business for so long. But is there one in particular that stands out that you could share with us today? No, we were one of my first startups uh, in Silicon Valley. We were manufacturing some of the first LED displays for the early handheld calculators. And I don't want to get too technical, but we had used a machine shop that helped us build a lot of race car parts. And the particular part, which was a lens for magnifying the digits, uh, nobody could figure out how to make those. Not TI, not Monsanto, none of the big guys. And we figured out that, uh, gee, you could take a ball bearing, perfect spherical optical surface, um, do something clever with my friend in the grinding business, um, put the mold together, put it all together with a new technique called laser welding. We had a great mold. We, within months, dominated that market. Wow. So it was drawing on some friends in the racing business, some friends in academia over at Stanford. So, again, drawing on all the resources, being creative, a uh, little lateral thinking, and uh, – and we built a great business around that. Absolutely fascinating. That's really cool. I love that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And do you have a memory that you'd like to share with us about that vehicle? Now, how do you pick a special car? Well, that's why, that's why I put the word first in there, because 
That way it's the first car that you didn't have to be the first car you ever got, but the first car that really, really meant something to you that was really special. Maybe you'd been chasing it for a long time or really wanting it for a long time. Well, first car was Berkeley. Got me through driver's school. Sold it to a friend because I really didn't want to work on two strokes. Second car, friend said, hey, there's an aluminum body coupe over in a junkyard in Dallas. Uh, you ought to go look at it. Uh, it's got a blown engine, but the guy just wants to get rid of it. Went over. It was an aluminum-bodied Zagato Double Bubble GT. Oh, my gosh. He wanted 500 bucks for it, and this is when they were selling. They were national champions selling for $4,000. Yeah. We bought the car. We raced it a few years. It turned out to have a minor engine problem we fixed. But I really wanted a race car, and I Formula Junior in 62, 63 was in its heyday. Mm-hmm. I managed to buy a Lotus 20 Formula Junior in 62, late. And it really, really was my first experience with a real race car and adjustments and driving an open wheel car, which is one of the peak experiences in racing is to I've been lucky to drive a vintage Formula One, and that's the ultimate in open wheel, and I've been able to drive a historic Can-Am car, which is the ultimate in sports racers. Oh, yeah. But that Lotus 20 was kind of where it all started, driving a real race car. Ah, how nice. Yeah, those are absolutely fantastic cars. When I was racing my 18, a friend had a 20, and well, he let me jump in it and take a few laps, and uh, I was like, oh, this is what I want. <laughs> this was really fun. Went faster, brake better. Uh, I did everything better, so very cool. Now, how about seller's remorse? Uh, since you've had so many cars, you've sold a lot of cars, but is there one car in particular you wish you could have back in the garage? You know, I haven't sold very many. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a big garage then. <laughs> Well, you're a lucky guy. You know, I've had a few guests that answer that question that way. Yeah, there was one in my garage, but I didn't own it, but I almost owned it. And maybe mm. we'll we'll make that count. Okay. Uh, when I was uh, a couple of years into my career at Texas Instruments in Dallas out of college, and I was, you know, in Texas, you're aware of the, the, Miller, the, the Carrera Pan America. Mm-hmm. And a technician that worked for me, we were talking cars, and he said, well, I have a Ferrari. And I said, you do? I mean, that was really rare, although a lot of Ferraris raced in Texas in the oil boom days. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. I said, well, what is it? Where is it? He says, oh, it's sitting over behind a service station. And I said, you can't sit it. Come on, let's go get it. <laughs> so we went and worked on it a little bit. We got it fired up. It was a 166 uh, Ferrari with Carrera history, the great big tank in the trunk. Oh, wow. We put it in my garage, and um, I said, I, I'd really love to buy it. And he said, well, I think I'd, I'd take 2500 for it. Mm. Well, that's about what I paid for my Lotus 20. And I thought, well, this is an old race car. It's not worth anything. Maybe I'll offer 1500 <laughs> Now, you realize you could buy a used Corvette for a couple of thousand at that time. Well, of course, yeah. So this was the early 60s. I never got to buy the car. (laughs) I don't know what happened to it. I've often Hmm. wondered, you know, I would have loved to have written the serial number down and and found out its history. But uh, 
Oh, I can tell you about the birdcage that got away, Carol Ooh. Shelby's 4.9 Ferrari that got away. I can tell you a few oh, that got gosh. away. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I won't make you bring up all those tragic memories. I wonder if that Barquetta was, uh, at 166 was sitting on the lawn at Pebble Beach when they had all those cars lined up. Wouldn't that be interesting to know? It surely would. Wow. Interesting. Oh, wonderful. At least you got to be around them, and that's pretty cool. Now, we're into the new year here, so uh, what new projects are you working on at Victory Lane that really have you excited and fired up? Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, again, relate to my early racing was I really enjoyed the early road and track that uh, had some technology and personality stories reported on races, and then Competition Press, which gave you much more detailed reports, came out every other week or so. Mm-hmm. And um, couldn't wait to, uh, while I was racing, you know, get my own race report. Yeah. I was really disappointed with the SCCA magazine, which didn't really cover racing. I, I, I'll just stop there. I won't comment further about that magazine. Yeah. So when we created Victory Lane back in the mid-'80s, we said, you know, it's a magazine. It's not a tabloid like Competition Press. But our goal is to reflect the sport of vintage racing as it really is mm-hmm. not as we wish it was because we all have dreams and hopes but we report 120 vintage road races across the country that's every one that's put on by 25 different clubs we do it in detail we do it in pictures we do the results no other magazine does it and we get so many compliments about where you're covering all the details, and we try to put these big double-page spread photos that uh, shows the ambience of a given track. So we're really trying to reflect the sport in a positive way. And, of course, we we do history articles. We do articles about past legends. We try to do articles about current drivers and their cars. We have a big auction section, uh, another uh, section on sources to find cars and prep shops and uh, Mm -hmm. so we try to try to serve the racer yeah well you do a great job let me ask you this in the year 2016 what's your perspective of vintage racing is it a growing sport has it got challenges uh where are we looking at today with vintage racing my experience with vintage racing probably starts back with a lunch where where a friend and Steve Rill and I were having lunch, and Steve was going to start the uh, the uh, historics down at Laguna Seca. Oh yeah, Monterey Historics. And that was the early. That was like '73. Mm-hmm. We kind of watched it grow. I was traveling the world, too busy. Friend twisted my arm to drive his car in '86. Um, that's how the magazine got started. We've watched it grow in spurts. It's you know Chrysler put a lot of money into the sport in the late 80s with PR and and helping out organizers. It grew greatly in, in that time. In the last few years, uh, after it didn't get hurt much in the economic recession. The people that race vintage cars are more mature, have a little cash reserve, and um, it, it shrunk a little but not much, not like contemporary racing Mm -hmm. the last year it's grown greatly we're looking at a good year we're of course involved with uh, putting on four big historic canium races 
celebrating the 50th anniversary of the start of that great series, which was 1966. Nice. And that's keeping us busy. It's uh, Road America in July. We'll have 80 cars on the track, 80 can Wow. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. Well, it's exciting to hear. And I've been to some of those events, driven in some of those events, and uh, they're fantastic. So excellent. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Dan. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> you really know how to stump a guy and give me a challenge, don't you? <laughs> well, I'm not going to make this that easy for you. You know, it's no fun going out on the track when you just blow everybody away and it's easy, right? It's more fun when there's some challenge involved. You know, the best challenge and perhaps the car I admire the most is... Jim Hall's 2E. It was innovative. It was well thought out. Uh, it was fast. It it won at Laguna Seca in that first year. Uh, it was driven by, of course, Jim Hall and Phil Hill that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it showed creativity. It showed persistence, ingenuity. His early cars, uh, my college thesis was building composite race cars in 59. And here Jim Hall actually built composite race cars in the early 60s. So I just admired all of his cars, and and especially that 2E with that big high wing and yeah. space-age look. Yeah, there you go. Very cool. Well, you did a good job, so thanks for thanks for that one. Dan, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle? both the exterior and the interior. It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Dan, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag is out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions. 
and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? We were developing engines for the SCCA Pro B series, and we had a new camshaft. And I asked John DeLong, our cam grinder, I said, John, this has got a different torque curve, different uh, everything. How am I going to win races with this? He said, keep your right foot down on the accelerator. (laughs) Pretty simple stuff. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? You know, I guess it's you're never defeated. Mm. Uh, there's always a way up. There's all, you know, I've, I've been out of money in a company. I couldn't meet the payroll, but something always happened. You work hard, you talk to a lot of people, and, and somehow that old story of luck comes to those that work hard and are prepared to get it. Yep. Tenacity, perseverance of the entrepreneur, so important. Now, how about a resource? I know there are a lot of them out there today, but is there one in particular that you really enjoy? This could be a website. It could be a supplier. It could be an app you use. It could be a, a person. You know, my favorite resource is what we spend our days on, Victory Lane. We, uh, <laughs> there you go. We really, you know, we really do our best to uh, provide the racer, the new racer, the existing racer, and, and uh, with with insight into the sport and the racer wannabe as well you do that for sure now how about a book again there's lots of great books out there but is there one that maybe you've read recently that you think the cars yeah listeners would enjoy reading as well well i'm going to use the racer's unfair advantage here and i'm going to say it's uh two books it's pete lyon's can m first can m book which is tells a great saga and all the details and its research quality and exactly the same that Mike Martin did with the USRC in his book uh, about that great series. Two great books. And Pete's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, so that makes it extra special. Well, thank you for referring those. And I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources Dan's been so kind to share today at com slash Dan Davis on his show notes page. And there's a great resource on Cars, yeah, called Guest Recommended Books where you can go and click on these books and all the past 444 guests here on Cars Yeah for quick, easy purchases. All right, Dan, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you. If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? It may surprise you, but it would be possibly one or two. It would be a Grand Prix Bugatti from the 20s, or it would be a 1938 Grand Prix Mercedes where they dominated and innovative and just the fastest thing in the world. Well, you picked two really beautiful cars, and you know, as I said, You're my 445th guest, and if I let you get away with picking two, I'm going to have a bunch of phone calls from all those past folks that I restricted to one. So if you had to pick between the Bugatti and the Mercedes, which car would it be? I'd have to go with the Mercedes because it was the ultimate of its time being faster than airplanes and driven by giants on real road circuits that that Grand Prix Mercedes would be it. Ah, beautiful car. I've seen that car at the uh, museum in Stuttgart. Well, all their cars there are absolutely spectacular, but 
you picked a really special vehicle, and I knew you'd pick a race car, so thanks for holding that true. Dan, you have taken me on a great ride around the track today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack in your 38 Grand Prix Mercedes-Benz? <laughs> you know, enjoy the journey, win or lose. It's the journey, reach for the stars, but uh, it's the journey that counts. Make every minute count. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Victory Lane and subscribe? You can always talk to me to talk race cars, 650-321-1411, or go to victorylane.com. There you go. Listeners, again, you can find links to this website and everything Dan shared with us on his show notes page at carsyad.com for a quick link. I encourage you to subscribe to the magazine. If you have any interest at all in vintage racing, you're going to love it, as I have for many, many years. Dan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences on the track and in business with me and with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark, and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.